Welcome to The Filmistines, the podcast where we discuss all things movies. Join us as we dive deep into the latest releases, revisit classic films, and explore the art of cinema. Whether you're a film fanatic or just love a good flick, we've got you covered from Hollywood blockbusters to indie gems. We'll be breaking down the storytelling, the cinematography, and everything in between. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and get ready for some cinematic magic. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash We offer tiers at the $1, $5, and $20 level where the $20 tier grants the ability to request films for future episodes. This is the Film of Steins where movies are more than just entertainment, they're an experience. They're an experience all around you. You, you, you. And we're back with a, another great episode of the Film of Steins, the fastest growing podcast in South Korea and Canada. Whoa. Yep. And I'm joined today by my friend who mocks me, <laughs> Lucy. Hello, everyone. I do not mock, per se. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about a classic that you were on a little trend here with you that you recommended we watch. To Kill a Mockingbird, 1962's To Kill a Mockingbird. Black and white, old as shit. Very old. Somehow yeah. feels older than Twelve Angry Men, yep. even though it's half a decade younger. Directed by Mulligan. What's his first name? Robert. Bob Mulligan. It's not very good. To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm just gonna go out. And, I'm just gonna go out here and say it right on top. Rock. Am I walking out on a limb? I'm not sure. But To Kill a Mockingbird, not very good. Definitely not great. Almost. Bad. Disagree or agree? No, I I guess I'll be walking out with you. Yeah, we're dying together. We're dying on, together on this hill. Yep. It's it's not great. It's really not. Uh, I I guess it picks up a little bit throughout the movie, but not enough. Yeah, I only I I it only really kind of picked up for me in the courtroom, which was not very much of the film. I don't know why anyone would call this a court drama when we spend. 15 minutes there, maybe. What's that uh, Christmas movie? Miracle on... Uh, 34th Street. 34th Street. Is that a court drama? I wouldn't call it it one, but... Okay. I guess if you call that one one, then it's fair to call this one one. That's fair. But no. No. It's it's not. Yeah, and it's... I mean, if you approach it from the proper perspective, it's really... It can't be a court drama because it's from a little girl's perspective so there's nothing it's you know she's she's six she's supposed to be six yes i mean even even um it's funny you say that it's from her point of view because i don't know i'm just saying that because of you yeah well the book is from her point of view but the movie's not doing a great job letting us know that it's from her point of view there's certain scenes where we kind of get that, but they're it's it's like they're not sticking with it. It's like, okay, it's from her point of view, but then they completely just do something else and then they maybe are reminded. It's like, oh wait, wait, wait. We're supposed to be seeing this from Scout's point of view. Okay. And then they forget again. Yeah, it's kinda of totally fucked up in that way. I agree. There's probably like three bits where it really starts to embrace it and then it just and they're pretty good. It seems like they kind of had no what they they know what they had in those moments probably because of the book and they were like all right we know that we have these really great scenes that can happen and I didn't particularly think they were any of them were all that great because I don't think the acting in this was very good mm-hmm. uh, Atticus was you know obviously the the star star uh, he was pretty good but I mean the only really standout performance I think was Tim Robinson's character uh, I don't know his actor but him in the courtroom was very easily <laughs> the best. Tom Robinson. His, his name's Tom Robinson? No, no, no. You said Tim. Oh, his name's Tom in the movie? Tom, yeah. Yeah. What's his, his... his actor name is Brock Peters. Brock Peters. Is he in a bunch of stuff? Is he? I don't know. He looked... Well, I don't know. I'm not going to say he looked familiar because I don't see old stuff, but also I don't know how old he is. Okay, yeah. He's got a pretty big filmography on Wiki... Apparently, he was in the Wild Thornberries movie. He voiced yeah. Jomo, Homo, I don't, Jomo, I don't know who that is. Oh, 
I liked that movie when I was little. The Importance of Being Earnest. That sounds like a popular movie. Star Trek. You seen Star Trek? Yeah. That's cool. Some Star Trek. Yeah, okay, yeah. His uh his performance in the courtroom was definitely the standout, which just it really leaves you what le- left with I wish I could have gotten more of Tom Robinson. Instead, we got the the shining the what do they say? The knight knight in shi- shining armor. Yeah. The white knight in shining armor that is going to express, you know, tolerance because that's the bar we want to hit at any point in time. But um and then on the counter side of that, ironically, the worst performance, which was terrible in every sense of the word, was the the victim here, the so-called victim, that little girl. Maya, Mayela Moyo. Oh my god, dude. She sucks. I hope she never got a job after this. She doesn't she should not quit her day job. Mayela. Yeah, I mean, besides Tom Robinson, everyone else. Well, okay, maybe Atticus too. Everyone else was either just okay or they sucked. I mean, Mayela's performance didn't even stick out as that bad because, you know, her dad was equally bad. Yeah, her dad kind of sucked, too. He sucked. And I don't know if they told him, you know, pretend to be, you know, this really, really dumb, mean country person from Alabama, nowhere, Alabama. He's like, all right, got it. And it's bad. Did it's awful. Bad. It's it's kind of it's really surprising how bad some of this movie is, especially because of how loved this film is. This film is I cannot tell you how loved this film is. I mean, I don't know anyone personally, but the internet, unless I'm just being gaslit on a universal level. Oh shit! All right. We all are, I guess. The people who don't like this movie, we're all collectively being gaslit by the other collective. And that this this movie's this movie's not good. This movie's actually, I think, borderline bad in a lot of ways. I guess I will say the three scenes that I think will probably helped kind of elevate the child perspective here were mm-hmm. when Jim when Jam was looking in the neighbor's house with shadow, yeah, looming okay. over him. That yes. one. Uh, the, I guess the next one, um, chronologically would have been the one right outside the jailhouse with her dad and she interrupted the lynch mob. This, this fucking gentrified ass lynch, lynch mob. Jesus. That was the lousiest lynch mob I've ever seen in my life. And then the last one was at the very tail end of the movie with her and Jam getting, Damn. Getting um attacked by Mr. Mr. Yule. Is that his name? Yeah. And then, you know, we see her, you know, we they really go hardcore on that one, especially because we, we see her eyes through the, the ham costume and the shadow of Jam getting attacked by Yule. So that's like, that's okay. It's, it's fun. It's cool. Okay. If we could have stuck with that a little bit more, instead we had to, you know, focus on Mr. Sexy Atticus. And because he's the star of the movie, right? Where he's, yeah. We're paying him $50,000, so we got to get our money's worth. I was reading somewhere that he actually, uh, Peck, what's his name? Gregory Peck, actually asked for more screen time. Oh. He kind of demanded it, basically. And um, they cut out, apparently, they cut out uh, some of the children um, scenes that they had already and try to give him more time, especially in the courtroom. Because the courtroom scenes in the, I guess in the courtroom in the, um, in the book, I want to say it was over the course of a few days, which, you know, that makes sense. And I, I completely understand how you can't really have that in That's going to be the movie. movie. Yeah. If it's going to take that long, that's going to be the movie. Right. So, um, what was I going to say? Oh, well, I guess with him demanding that, um, they were like, okay, well, let's give him more courtroom time. And um, let's just, you know, give them more time. And that is not, I mean, we could still have that, but we should have had the perspective of the kids from up top with, you know, the people they they were hanging out with up there. Yeah. And that, that could have worked because we could have been from the perspective of those kids and maybe not heard or understood everything because they were so far away and 
we would have just known that it wasn't our place to really understand what was going on anyways. Yeah. And in the book, um, Atticus tells them that they're not allowed to go to the courtroom. They're not allowed to see this case at all. He wants them as far away as possible. So that's kind of one of the reasons why they're up there with all the, you know, colored people, black folks, because they're not they're not supposed to be there. And, you know, who's going to notice them? I got a question. Anyway, at the top. I got a question. Is the top for the accused, like the side of the accused, or was that the side for black people? It was the side for black people. Okay. They were segregated. Yeah. Okay. They were segregated. Yeah. I was just wondering, because I can see that making sense at one point in time, maybe, to make sure that the, the accused aren't mingling with the, uh, what's the other word? The, uh, you know, the, the prosecutors. The prosecution, yeah. Because he might not might help it might help mitigate some kind of violence or something, but I guess it's just for black folks hanging out up there. Yeah, and I know we've covered child acting in especially Ender's Game, but oh my gosh, I mean these children sucked. These children sucked. They all sucked, and I know Dill is not a main character. You know, it's it's really just Atticus. Jem and Scout are kind of three main characters, and then everyone else gets sprinkled in. But Dill is pretty important to the book, uh, mainly with Scout's friendship. They become best friends, and you know, Dill's basically in love with her and kind of teaches her about outside perspective on things. And you know, because he's not from, um, was it Macomb, Macomb County? He's from. Yeah, the, Meridian, right? He said Meridian, Mississippi. Yeah, apparently Makeham is not real. Yeah. Not real place. Inspired by Monroeville or whatever. Okay, I was going to say, I don't know what it was supposed to be, but Monroeville, Alabama? Is that what you said? Something like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then, you know, he's kind of this, like, outside perspective, and he's this friend that comes and visits them in the summer because he comes and sees his aunt. So, you know, she's has this anticipation and kind of can't wait to tell Dill's stuff and I mean he's just a talker he's a liar they love to tell stories and you know we don't see any of Dill's personality in the movie and that's just this you know it's just this secondary character so okay I get that you know you want to focus on the you know big dudes but you don't you don't even portray Scout our main girl well at all no, the only thing they really do a, a good job on her with is that she's a tomboy. They hit that out of the park, I think, but it's not, it's not a, it's not her personality, you know. Yeah, it helps build some personality, but it's not it helps build an aesthetic too. But she's, it's just she's hardly there. And then Jam, we don't know anything really about him, you know, except he's, he does see himself as kind of a man of the house, mm-hmm. and that's about it, though. Yeah, I mean, Scout is. She's very um, observant, and she voices a lot of her observations out loud. So she's super talkative and asks, you know, kind of inappropriate questions that a kid shouldn't be asking. But Atticus is the kind of dad he is that he doesn't mind his children asking questions, you know, because he he thinks that'll teach them to be real, truthful people of the world or whatever. And... I mean, yeah, they seem to have a very old adulty relationship. Yeah. Because, I mean, for one, they call him Atticus. Yeah. And I don't think we got any of that through, um, or I don't think we ha- we got um, Scout's personality in that way with her just excessive talking and her excessive questioning. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think we got her inquisitiveness. We didn't get her, we didn't get, we didn't get any kind of, character from her like mm-hmm. we didn't get any childlike qualities you might expect or i guess we got some of the bits where she's fighting um one of the cunningham's kids walter i think that's the name she's fighting walter because you know he called atticus uh you know black people lover except he used another word and you know she beat him up she's like no how dare you call atticus that and beats the crap out of him and then jim's like Come on, Walter, come home with us and we'll feed you dinner. So that right there is just a little bit of their personalities, you know, 
scout is this type of person you know kind of impulsive and she's going to stand up for what she believes especially you know her dad Atticus and um she does it through a uh, very rough way I guess <laughs> and then we see you know a little bit of Jem's Jem's per- personality where he's like no we have to you know this is this is Walter Cunningham he doesn't know any better he's just kind of repeating what everybody else is saying and scout you're kind of being ridiculous the cunninghams are good people and they bring them home to dinner and i i kind of like this bit this uh scene quite a bit uh because we have walter here who's you know he i think in the book he like quits school midway he just comes for the like law lawful amount of days he has to go which is like the first week or something and then he goes home and helps out because you know they have a farm or whatever they have to do and um they're just that kind of family and we do get a little bit of uh Mr. Cunningham when in the beginning when um he brings Atticus some food I don't know what he brings him and Scout is like why is he bringing you food why isn't he paying you you know money and then Atticus is like well that's just what the Cunninghams do that's all they can do they don't have money to pay me so he brings me what he can and she's like, oh, okay, well, you know, all right, that's how it is. So I, I kind of like that. And, you know, he's asking for a uh, syrup to put on his dinner. And Scout's like, what? Why are you covering your meal with dinner? And then, you know, Cal, their cook, I guess. I think she's, I think she's just the cook. And, you know, she doesn't live with them or... She's not even a babysitter, really. She just cooks for them and does kind of like their cleaning. and Yeah, and she kind of parents them. Yeah, a little bit. And then she goes home. You know, she has a house. She has, I think, her own kids. I don't know really much about Cal. But um, then she, you know, hits Scout, yeah. which... But, I mean, that's kind of an important point, though. Why would you? Because it's Scout's perspective. We yeah. shouldn't know much about Cal. Yeah. Which, they, I guess they do an okay job there. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, it's it's. I'm just... We're pick, grasping at straws really on that point because they really don't... Even when we're with Scout, we hardly have a child's perspective, like we said. Yeah, then Cal, you know, kind of smacks her smacks her around for being rude to her guest. Which was funny to see, because you don't have a lot of that in movies. I wonder if older movies do this more, you know? Oh, but yeah. Yeah, I'm it sure. It's just funny. We should bring back children getting beaten movies. <laughs> I'm all for it. I don't think that's going to happen. And we should be able to murder kids in video games. That's often not allowed. I was going to say, that does that not happen already? I could see video games doing that. Nope. Hmm. Usually kids are not in games, and then when they are, they're just immortal. Yeah, well, I don't know if I'm going to agree with you on that one here. <laughs> so did you know that Dill was inspired by Harper Lee's childhood friend? No, I did read that her dad was, or Atticus was inspired by... Her dad, but not Dill. Okay. Her friend. You want to know her friend's name? Sure. Truman Capote, another American author. His most famous book is probably In Cold Blood. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool, isn't it? That's pretty cool. Yeah. I guess he went on to become like an author author. She just wrote one book. And then you do Dill like this in the movie? I know, right? God. And it seemed like she was pretty ecstatic about film coming together she liked that Atticus was got on board real quick and she's probably got offered quite a bit of money to get this going and it's kind of yeah it kind of sucks that something so it's kind of a funny thing to say but maybe something so historically significant to the United States her book you know got kind of done dirty like this but again people think this film is great that's so crazy you tell me that because one I don't know people who have told me that this film is great, but I also don't hang out with a lot of people that watch a lot of films. So, you know, there's something to be said there. But it's it it sucks. It just sucks. I mean, there's no nothing creative. There's no character. There's no character. There's no setup. Yeah, there's no setup. I mean, you know, I guess in our previous episode we talked about uh, the one thing that Twelve Angry Men, Twelve Angry Men lacked was the score, 
and you know same here the score didn't stand out nothing great about it very simple so you know again is that something they could have helped or not we don't know for the time but the score sucked <laughs> yeah and in retrospect you kind of it almost you, you gotta i guess be tolerant and patient with the medium of the time right like we talked about in 12 angry men but that means that the characters and the composition and the story they really need to be that much better you know because i mean all the old folks in my life have always kind of commented on older movies being more character driven and just full of really kind of poignant that the word dialogue poignant dialogue is that the word and we get some decent dialogue here but it's really doesn't set it apart from any other schlock from any other time period so i don't it's just it, I like this is I mean this is not too far removed from a Hallmark movie, minus the uh, no no love really. I could see this being a Netflix movie. I guess really should say. Yeah, I I feel like people only like the movie because of the book, or maybe it's like a, I want to love love this film because I love the book, and you can't really separate one from the other, which is a crazy thing. But I could see that happening. Can't think of another example that might fit the. I wish Ender's Game was like that. I wish everybody loved Ender's Game, the movie, and so we just have a more modern kind of feeling on the take on the on the thing. Not that Ender's Game book maybe is as important as a uh, Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, but um, I don't know. Maybe they're equally important. What is up with the end? Because the rest of the movie is pretty whatever. It's so uninteresting and doesn't set up anything for any character. We go through the court case. Tom Robinson gives his spiel. They try to make it where he's very obviously not guilty. They do a decent job of that. We have to sit through this psychotic little girl's spiel about how she was attacked. And oh my god, if you don't want to watch this movie, please just watch the court case for those two performances at the very least. You will experience, you'll be like, whoa, that's pretty good for, you know, you know I, I, you'll just say that, whoa, that's pretty good. And then for the girl, you'll be like, whoa, that's impressively bad. You didn't think that, was, that didn't stand out to you that that was so bad? Like I said, everything else was so bad that just this one bad didn't specifically stand out like when dill was shaking attica's hand yeah he shook the hand limp real limp and then just ran around him yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean what was the director like he was like go shake his hand and then just get behind him (laughs) what what okay all right no one that's not how people do anything (laughs) what the fuck so, no, no, it didn't particularly stand out as bad because it was all bad. <laughs> and then I just thought they were trying to do her like, you know, Mr. Yule. You know, these are the Yules. They're they're stupid. Yeah. Whew. It's rough. This is rough. I'm. Why is this movie loved? I don't know. Yeah. And then another point you brought after we watched the movie was, um, I don't know how you phrased it. You can remind me here. But, um, you know, Atticus is kind of lack of or i think you said taking it at face value when um the sheriff told him that yeah when the sheriff told atticus that tom had tried to escape and got shot Mm -hmm. but you know because the sheriff or whoever doesn't have great aim so he kind of missed and hit and killed tom yeah it was an accident and it's just and atticus just doesn't think that's fucking suspicious what <laughs> cops have always been controversial figures in all of time it's just it's just a little strange atticus would it's just a little strange that the director and writers and maybe a little bit of harper lee not less less harper lee i guess it's hard to bring her into this because if she took scout's perspective that's that's an essential direction and vision and through line we have through the book that they may actually run with well before you say your point in the book they do say he was shot 17 times 
In the book, they say he was shot. So they, okay, so they definitely, they basically confirm that there's some, that some suspicious shit went down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think so. So that just, I mean, you don't, that doesn't, yeah, you don't just get shot 17 times yeah. and not be personal. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that works. Uh... It's just, it's so, it's so fucking bad. He just, oh man, Tom, that sucks. You know how fucking racist and fucked up your little Alabama town is. You live there, you know? You you tried to stand up for this guy when a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah. You know, that's you made that kind of a point in the movie, Atticus. Gregory Peck. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, don't you have some motherfucking questions? And he's like, "Oh, I'm going to go tell his 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 now widowed wife, you know? And then he pull, you know, he pulls up and then he goes in and Oh, I guess she comes out. And that's also fucking weird. That's not nothing not a big deal though, but when he says that, she like faints. Yeah. That's really fucking weird and she awkward. Just falls. It's like that it's like when that guy slips and Alien, the beginning of Alien, the first one. I don't think it's awkward for her to kind of just She was just collapse. like, Oh you know, just fucking fell over. She's just like, What the fuck was that? Give me some hysteria. You know, that's a little that's a little melodramatic, but come on, give me something else, man. And then, you know, Yule shows up and he's like, you know, boy, <laughs> boy, go get Atticus. And it's just like, what? And then they, it's, they, they look at him and they behave like he, they're afraid of him. Like, what the fuck? These guys are not afraid of this drunkard, you know? There's like, how many guys sitting on the porch? Seven or eight? Yeah, there's a lot of guys on the porch. <laughs> boy go get what they're not gonna fucking take that i don't care what time period it is they're gonna beat the shit out yes. of them. no one's there to they... witness it's, it's weird it's weird and kind of tone deaf i think even for the time it's not there's not there's nothing risky about it, uh, it there's nothing risque about it you know there's nothing there's nothing fucking interesting about this movie at all yeah and you know, I in the book, after Tom Robinson's death, Jim takes it particularly hard. He's just, you know, his mood completely all changes. He starts kind of being a little bit more mature and more grown up because, you know, he sees, like, how cruel the world is and kind of his county that he lives in. And he's always, you know, kind of loved and admired the people that live live there. You know, probably very close community. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's everybody's neighbor, whatever. And he has to face, like, the harsh realities. And we don't get any of that. We don't get any of the aftermath of this great point that, you know, the move, the book made that the film, I'm assuming, is trying to make. And we get none of the uh, consequences, none of the repercussions of your great point no we get a little bit of a a happy ending yeah it's just like what and then we yeah we bring in we bring in the mysterious bow from out of fucking nowhere who kills oh boo my bad not bow boo from out of fucking nowhere (laughs) who kills yule and you know Jam's all beat up and he's put into the bed and they're mm-hmm. watching over him and then Boo's fucking behind the bed. I mean the 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 door. It's so stupid. It's just like okay, <laughs> all right. And then he he comes out. He's he's like kind of a mute or whatever. And the sheriff or is that the sheriff who pulls up? He's like, yes. well, we can't you know, we can't incarcerate this this guy. It'd be like killing a mockingbird or whatever. And it's just like. I don't I don't hear him singing. <laughs> he just fucking murdered someone for one, all right? Yeah, you don't you don't know anything about him. No. This film does an awful job of letting you know letting you know why he is the way he is, first of all, so you could feel sorry for him. So you can feel why he is a mockingbird. We have none of the interactions he has with the kids. I mean, we we kind of do with the whole tree no. present given thing. It's, that is so shoot in and forced. I yes. will say my favorite 
bit in the whole movie, unrelated to the movie, really, <laughs> is when, I guess it's Boo's dad yeah. covers the hole up with cement. That is like the most Twin Peaks shit I've ever seen in a movie. It's funny. And I, th- I think in the book, he does do that, but he does it overnight. You know, the kids aren't watching. Nobody's watching. He's just, He just went out there and did it. And then the kids wake up and then they see it's covered with cement. They're well, like, what? Was that not a Lynchian thing? Yes. Like, they, he was covering that up and the kids were like, like looking at him watching. like, what the... F-? Like, and they're no just one's like, saying nothing. Yeah, no one's saying anything. Important Lynchian point, you know? That and then not the kids like, dialogue. start walking away yeah, and they just, take off. I could just... I could very easily have seen that in a Twin Peaks episode. But... I mean, we don't we don't get any of that. What's supposed to be a very kind of childlike interaction between them, we don't we don't get that. We don't get that connection. Nope. That's and then now here's the end, and we finally see Boo, which that's fine. You know, we don't see him in the book either until the very end. But you have to you have to see him through dialogue though. You, you have to see him through like silhouettes yes. or something. You yes. have to see him in some other way. You don't have to actually see him because it can be a big reveal, kind of like you know how we could have done with Michael Jordan in Air, right? right we saw right. him, but we didn't see him, right? And they could have had that big reveal with him putting his shoes on. They didn't because they have fucking bozos running. You know the. You mean they have award winning? Award winning director Ben Affleck yeah, running the ship over there. <laughs> Fucking bozo working at don- Dunkin' Donuts and shit. Give me my dozen, Ben. Oh, you're killing me. And Boo is, you know, we 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 kind of have two stories here in this film slash book. We have Tom Robinson's case, and we have Boo Radley. And you know, we're we're supposed to draw parallels from both of their lives on how they are mockingbirds and how you know kind of i mean tom's the only here. mockingbird here and they just do boo dirty like that like dude come on why don't even bring him up let's just change that great or just have him as better. the mysterious neighbor or whatever you know and he doesn't get brought up at all that's not he is not brought into the ending or anything he's just this mysterious background thing that entertains the kids on some level. We're just like the mysterious, the weird house, you know? I guess he is in the weird house, right? That's one reason it's weird because Boo's in there and chained to his yeah. bed, right? So we can just play that up a little bit because that's just a part of being a kid is you have that house. You have that place in the woods where you see a face. You're afraid of things, right? We should play up that a little bit. Yeah. And I know that's hard to do in the 60s, the early 60s, 50s, whatever. Because the the craft is just not there to tell a cinematic story quite yet, and you do kind of need an exaggerated cinematic, you know, storytelling device when it comes to telling a kid's story on camera, right? It's not your imagination can kind of take the reins in a book a lot easier because you are you've been a kid, <laughs> yeah. You've got that familiarity. You have to, you know, really kind of elevate that in cinema, which I get is hard, but it's just no excuse. Uh, you know, for why this movie is ass today. You want to see a kid's, a great kid's experience? You may hate the movie, you may love the movie, but the Florida Project, Sean Baker's Florida Project, I know you don't like it very much, or you didn't finish it. No, I I think I finished it. I, I just thought it was kind of weird and silly, but... But it's just... I don't it's, remember it It's now, kind of obviously. a slice of life of a, a couple of kids living in slummy outskirts of, or slummy, slummy kind of suburbs of orlando and it's it's does i think it does a really excellent job showing you the world from children's perspective or this you know the main girl's perspective at least it sticks with it you know i hate it for you man because i know you love this book yeah it's i don't know if i would put this in my favorite books of all time but it's definitely a book i have read and reread and just you know i love it you know how you have films that you love and appreciate but they're not really your favorite sure yeah it's i think i would put it in that field and i i don't know i i know it's hard first of all to make movies kind of first person because we're not in their head yeah yeah we can have a heavy narrative but you really set yourself up for a very specific kind of movie or a very specific kind of tone and then it's hard to get out of 
the narrative. Yes. Or it's hard to get away from the narrator, narrator I should say. And then I understand that, you know, <laughs> there's a lack here for child actors, especially child actors that are supposed to be six years old. Like, oh my gosh, I bet that's fucking hard to find. Yeah. If at all possible. Yeah. So, uh, these kids weren't even six. Yeah. These kids were probably, I would guess, probably. I think she was 10. I think she was 10. She was 10 when she was casted? 13. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say eight, nine, ten. 10. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, and, and it helps you. It this These, man, we haven't brought up Harry Potter in a while, but this kind of shit, we, we still struggle with this to this day, finding kid actors, child actors. They're real, they're rare. They're super rare. But at, man, I don't know how old Harry, Ron, and Hermione were in that first movie, but they 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 were probably twelve, thirteen, fourteen, right? Maybe not fourteen. Were 12. they not like eleven? Were they eleven were when they, they were like casted? Almost right, or like almost the right age? The right age? Oh, I'm not sure. But man, it just yeah, fourteen may be a little too old. That doesn't that doesn't feel right at all, does it? Harry was twelve. Yeah. See, we're starting to get away from that child child actor there, but. I mean, still, it just, it forces you to love them so much more. They are so good. I mean, I think, I've said it maybe on the podcast before. Hold on. It, so it says it was, he was 11 when they started filming, and by the time it released, he was 12. So he was, oh, so 11. He was 11. He was the age, yeah. I think those three in the first movie gave the best performance out of all of the Harry Potter films. They only got older. <laughs> you would think they might get a little better, but I feel like they, uh, and that, you know, has something to do with direction for sure. Dire- the director, um, mm-hmm. of course, Do- Josh Yates, I think that director is for the final four movies. You know, he's trash. He, he, he fucked up Harry Potter. We all know that. We should have how ha- should have had, uh, Alfonso finish out the series. The guy who did the third one would have been good shit, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there's there's certain things that just I know I know they don't work well and for the time, you know, the sixties, early sixties, you know, I don't I don't know much about film. I don't know much about film in general, let alone the early sixties. Yeah. Like I can only imagine. Get but get creative. Get creative. We we just saw a really great creative older film. Yep. And much a much in a way much more ambitious for a storytelling from a storytelling perspective because it was in a single fucking room yep all right we had a we had a a street to work with here right i don't know exactly how what the sets looked like and stuff i know a lot of this was done on set uh they made all these houses and everything none of this was filmed on location at like um an older place they did go to scout like where she used to live and Monroeville, or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. it was called in Alabama, and apparently it had everything had updated. It looked way too modern, uh-huh. which is hilarious. Like, well, fuck, we can't film yeah, here. So they recreated a lot of where she lived and stuff, and she approved of it. She thought it was really cool, which I'm sure it was. I'm sure all building all that out and stuff. I thought was, I thought I bet she was really fun too doing all that. I guess you're just building houses. <laughs> if houses, if building houses is fun, I guess that sounds kind of fun. In small bursts, maybe not as a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, so these, you know, these men in one room, stuck in one room, the whole entire film, and they didn't even have names. They didn't even have names. Had way more personality. Than, way more personality. Than this, you know, this movie with people with names, people of a county, that has a book. You have a reference material. It was to make it awesome, and it 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 begged for more caricatures. You know, we had, we had racial tension. We have we had political tension. You know, we had we just we had the chance for mass hysteria, which we got a little. We definitely got some of that in Twelve Angry Men too. But we definitely we didn't get any of that here. That lynch mob. Oh my god, it's the worst lynch mob I've ever fucking seen. They should have. I don't know wh- how you do a lynch mob right, especially after this shit. I would be afraid to do it too. Shrek. Go watch Shrek. The first Shrek? Yeah. The very <laughs> it's a great lynch mob. Great lynch mob. Because, I mean, that's I mean, it's a good point. That setup, because we see them working their way there. You know, they're kind of menacing. They're building this up. Mm-hmm. And then when they get there, the camera's looking down on them. They're tiny. And Shrek's like, oh, hey, how, hello. Or he's behind them, right? Yeah. He's like, what are you guys doing? And then he's like, you know. Then he's basically like, hello, how are you, know, what are you guys doing? And they're all fucking terrified. 
It's awesome. And, he, you know, he's, he burns out the, the torch, right, with his fingers yeah. and stuff. Not that you can do that here, but you gotta you gotta get creative. But you, you really can, do. You can at least do the build up of them walking. Yeah. Maybe have somebody with fire. I don't know. Maybe look. Maybe make them look all dirty. I don't know. That would help add something. Yeah. This is when I know people don't want to work with certain kinds of people just because you know it's expensive or you know you just the optics or whatever and everything. This is when you gotta get some racist motherfuckers. As a, some kind of consultant, and you're like, okay, you know, we're building this kind of scene and stuff. What would you and your racist motherfucking friends do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Don't, don't fuck with. You know, don't don't kid glove this shit. You know, we need to make this make it realistic. You know, we we don't we're, and make it. I mean, in fact, we should we should stick with Scout's perspective and make it worse than it is. You know, make it scarier than it is. Yeah, maybe, you know, angle the camera to make them look even bigger than they are. Yeah, and they have dogs and they're barking. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's scary stuff and they have fire and maybe they even bring like weird weapons that, you know, they just wouldn't bring and then it help kind of elevate this like, oh, this is from the kid's perspective. Mm-hmm. They, of course, they're not going to have a fucking, I don't know, a ball and chain or whatever, you know, <laughs> or, or some crazy shit. Some ready to go noose. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great point. Make them creep around. Make more come out from the bushes. Make, make them dirty. Make them have weird weapons. Angle the cameras to certain ways that makes us, that makes them look bigger or scarier or something. You know, it, it, it wouldn't have been that hard. I don't think so either. I think I could have done a better job. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a filmmaker. <laughs> but I think I can do this better than a lot of filmmakers. <laughs> so maybe I am a filmmaker. Yeah, maybe you are too maybe you are too maybe give me a few more episodes we'll see a few more episodes okay okay and i know this isn't you know one of our typical movie book comparisons but there were some other elements in the book that i wish they would have brought into the film such as so i know they um kind of played a little bit with scouts uh tomboyness and, you know, they give us that little funny scene when she's wearing a dress to her first day of school and everyone's kind of making fun of her. And she. Which is one of the standout scenes of the movie. Yeah. I don't know how that's a standout scene of the movie either, <laughs> you know, but it is. It's probably top 10, you know, top 10, top 10 little bits. Yeah. And in the book, she actually struggles with that a lot. She struggles with um, kind of this gender role she has to play in this county and um kind of growing up without a mother figure and the closest thing she has to a mother figure is cal but you know she's the black cook so you know she can't exactly be influenced by her according to society you know like that's not your example scout you can't you you know that's not what you should be doing so um i think it's uh, Atticus's sister or some some relative of or aunt or something I think it's maybe Scout's aunt I don't know but it's a relative of uh, Atticus and her name is Miss Alexandria Alexandria and uh, we don't see her in the film at all who's the white lady that sits with Atticus at one point I know they called her Miss Maudie I think and she's she's a neighbor and she, I mean she kind of looks after the kids every once in a while and her and Atticus are neighbors and they kind of have this friendship. And in the book, I think her house catches on fire. So there's this whole thing with that. And that's actually a fucking great opportunity that they could have played in this film that um I think when the fire happens in the book, um, Scout's there and she's sleepy and she's tired because it's at night. And I want to say someone, which is Boo, we're supposed to think Boo, gives her a blanket so she can kind of comfort herself. Come on, easy. You don't even have to show us this great big firefighting scene. Just make Scout go to the fire and, you know, she's just watching and getting sleepy and someone gives her, like, that's what, five minutes? I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's a lot more in, you know, production. So, okay, but... Yeah, probably a whole day. You know, it might it, it's it's necessary here for me to feel sorry for this guy. 
but you know back to miss to uh, miss alexandra she's there to teach scout the importance of being a lady and um makes her have like tea time with all these other ladies and you know she's always getting on to scout about wearing pants because you know ladies don't wear pants and stuff so you know it's it's hard to bring elements like this when you when no character has character <laughs> she, she was just awkward awkwardly fucking there yeah yeah awkward she was and then there's um mrs debose which i think we got a little bit of her in the beginning it was the old lady that um i don't know what she was saying and then the kids were hiding behind atticus while atticus was trying to talk to her oh in the beginning yeah in the beginning when she was rocking on her chair or her rocking chair i don't think i could understand her yeah and we're i think we're not supposed to completely she's not all there i think okay but um she's um she's addicted to drugs she's addicted addicted to morphine and it's like the only drug in the 30s (laughs) (laughs) and opium and um i don't know exactly what jim did i think he like messed up some of her flowers or did something to her flower bed and so one of his punishment was to read to her so every day he would go read to um mrs debose and you know where of course the, the scout goes with him and um she just sits there and listens to him read and she's not she doesn't understand why mrs debose is laying in bed sweating screaming being angry you know going through withdrawals um because she's about to die and she wants to die hi no, she wants to dr- die drug free. Oh, <laughs> so she's going through her withdrawals. Okay, okay. And Tim, Tim, and Jim reading to her helps her kind of distract her from all this pain she's feeling. Okay. And so I think like you know weeks go by. I think it was two weeks that was his punishment, and then she dies. And Jim was like, "Why the fuck did I read to her? And she was just gonna die. Like, why'd you make me do that, Atticus?" And then, you know, big teaching moment for Atticus to show the kids that you got to put yourself in other people's shoes. And he tells her what happened. And, you know, another learning moment for Jem, not Scout. She's just like, you know, what what, what just happened? But I will say Atticus is a likable character. He's probably the only likable character because we get most of what we get is mostly Atticus. But he... uh he is he is a hero of sorts sort of mm-hmm. just because he's a very understanding and progressive person who yeah. has a sense of real ethics you know he's he understands that because he even you know he says at one point in the movie that at least in the courtroom we're all equal you know it's it's a little something a little something yeah um because he he means more even because he what he said he says some stuff up to Scout and Jam about the schoolyard shit and stuff and he's like you know we just society's kind of behind the way you know we should be thinking yeah but but you still need to think the right way so but, but what were you gonna say uh this was Harper Lee's kind of a dedication book like a love book to her dad that's how much she loved him and admired him and admired all the values and principles that he brought to her life so maybe that's why it makes sense that she really appreciated this film because yeah give or take gregory peck did an excellent job job. portraying what her father was to her he so that's good he also he won an oscar for this yeah i think i saw that which is cool cool for him but i don't know how earned it is uh i never really know how fucking earned it is to be honest oscars are so loaded yeah rrr got snubbed motherfuckers that's true that will never be forgotten i'm never forgetting <laughs> and pig got snubbed was that last year too pig was, i think that was two years ago oh my gosh because we missed those oscars those are the will smith getting slapping chris rock oscars there was another character in the book i don't remember his name mr mr dolphus i think that's his name 
and um he is married to a black he's a white man and he's married to a black woman and they have interracial uh, kids and he's kind of you know outcasted by the white community and blends in with the uh, black folks he kind of goes to their church goes oh, to their okay. grocery you know whatever yeah like he kind of blends in with them more and he carries around a bottle in a brown bag and he just says weird shit and he's you know so he's, is he drunk so that's that's um what he's le- leading people to believe but then there's this little moment with him and scout and dill too i think that um dill was thirsty and he's like here have some and when they uncovered it it was a coke bottle and they were like what why we thought you were drunk and he's like no i'm just you know i'm just letting people think what they want to think he's playing uh diogenes i don't know what diogenes is what is that he's a greek philosopher who would play tricks on people like that just to pull out their true character yes yeah, that's basically what he's doing. And, you know, again, Scout's perspective. So she's like, that's weird. Why are you lying to people? But, you know, we're we're supposed to understand a little bit more than that. And I'm like, that's so also so small and simple to put in this movie. And, again, back to the... Not small and simple, man. That is that is essential for this film. The, the core of this film is Tom Robinson's court case. I know it may be not in the book, but in the film, this, that definitely is. And... So we need to have everything that has everything to do with any black folks who live in this community on screen. We needed, we definitely needed more of Tom probably in this movie mm-hmm. in some way or another. And that could have helped, you know, kind of round out the, uh, the other side of this. And especially with the kids kind of learning something, you know, we, we had a few moments of that. That was probably one of the big through lines of this movie is Atticus trying to teach his kids a little something. Yeah. And that would have been a really good one to have. Yeah, that sucks. That's not. That's the most interesting thing you've told me so far about this. This. Uh, yeah, this book then definitely isn't for me. That early, not super early, but that 1930s to 1950s. I guess. I guess the book came out 1960, didn't it? Yeah. But it's kind of of the 50s, 40s kind of cut because that's you know she's talking about it. That's you know the time she grew up and stuff. That's the yeah. Time I think it's supposed to be placed in what the 30s yeah after the depression yeah or during doesn't the depression like 25 years from the 20s to their 40s 20 the early i guess war right what world war Two. yeah up to world war Two. yeah yeah so that started in the 30s yeah starting 39 like late 38 yeah so yeah okay yeah and not a big fan of american or 1930 40 50 american literature mm-hmm. um it just doesn't resonate with me quite like it. Like quite like schools want it to. <laughs> That's kind of the, one of the main genres or time periods of literature schools seem to want you to read here in the States. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's good shit. Especially if that actually happened. That's good shit. And, you know, I'm sure there's many other things I'm not remembering from this book. Yeah. So, I mean, how how hard? to do these things you know especially like the fire scene or this scene right here that would have been great scene the fire scene would have been harder i guess obviously because you gotta they would have burned down a house (laughs) yeah speaking of which just have the fire like just we see it you know we see just scout and there's a you know something on fire and we just see it reflecting off of her and we don't actually have to see a house on fire you're a filmmaker Thank you. <laughs> that would have been great because that would have just kind of uh, echoed the few scenes that we did see that happen with her. We saw her expression of what yeah. was happening and stuff. And it could have, you know, we could have very easily had that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. I good. Mean, good. I will say that dog scene was awkward. Weird. Pointless scene. Yes. Because the point of this scene in the book is just for the kids to realize that Atticus is not as lame as they thought he is. And that's you have you you have better shit to show here than that, especially when the whole time you haven't even given us that the kids think this about Atticus. I yeah I I know they wanted him I or at least Jam wanted him to teach him how to shoot. 
But I did not get the feeling that they thought he was lame. <laughs> yeah, because in the book, Atticus is, you know, uh, he's in his 50s. So he's older than oh. most parents. And are... this Atticus. What do you mean? This Atticus is not in his 50s. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's, you know, the the kids that they go to school with, their parents are very young. And here's Atticus. <laughs> he's very old. And he's um he doesn't have a very... Uh, laborious, intensive job. Yeah, he's a mind man, not a war- hand man. Yeah, hand man. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he doesn't throw the football around. He's not out there playing with the kids. Yeah, he's old. So they're like, okay. And then they find out Atticus can shoot and he's a great shot. And then they don't even find that out through Atticus, Atticus doesn't tell him. They see him do it, and then the sheriff, like, tells them, like, man, you should have seen your dad back in the day, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what? And that's it. That That's that's pretty much it. Oh, and they also have this uh, great bit in the book where Cal takes the kids to her church. I don't know what Atticus has to do that he's like, can you take him with you, please? Because I have to do this. And um, at the time, you know, he was kind of worried about Mr. Yule hurting his kids. And that's why Aunt Alexandria had to come live with them, too, you know, to keep an eye on the kids because he knew how rough this case was going to get. And um, Cal takes them to a black church and they get this new perspective on the, you know, black community. And then that's how they know the reverend and go sit up there with him when they find him in the um, court case. Yeah, they just happen to know him. Yeah, they just happen to know him then. It's like, how do you how do you know him? So, I mean, I, I figured mean, they're probably only... You know, he was probably the only reverend in town, and there may have been uh, a pastor at the other church or something. And so, you know, everybody just knows the reverend and the pastor. Yeah. And so I could I could see that in a small town, but yeah, that could, that would have helped. That would have helped round out this this blackness we could we could have really done for in this film. And I think we also see a little bit of uh, Tom Robinson at the church and his family and people kind of embracing him and then you know the prayer and all this you know spiritual stuff that goes on in church for him for tom and you know instead of the fucking rabid dog scene you should have put that in there yeah but that rabid dog you didn't have to cut him a check (laughs) oh my you think they're gonna cut all those black people checks in 1960 I read, I don't know if this is true, but I also read that they didn't credit Tom Robinson's wife in the um, credits. <laughs> is that true? Did you read? Did you yeah, s- I think that's true. Oh my and gosh. I think that's not uncommon for the time when people don't have lines. So a lot of those guys on the on the porch and up in the the gallery, mm. at the in the gallery and the jury probably weren't credited. credited. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty common. So it wasn't just specifically her... I guess what I read was kind of biased that they didn't say, oh, well, it kind of was common. Yeah. And these people probably didn't get credited either. It's like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. it It's probably a little weird because she did have a little performance. You know, she fell over. She gasped and fell or whatever or started crying. So there may be, there's maybe something contentious there. But um, yeah, those other guys on the porch, like the, the, like the guy who handed Atticus his hat, Mm-hmm. When he left, yeah, I don't know. He had as big of a performance as she did, basically. Well, she did fall over, I guess, but but did he get credit? No, he didn't get credit. Then. Damn, so. that sucks. Yeah, that still happens occasionally, with especially with background. Yeah, I guess my mind went to uh, Walking Dead zombies. Yeah, n- those are volunteers, right? Yeah, the, none of those guys are credited. I guess I don't know. That makes sense. You can't tell who they are. <laughs> Yeah. They're yeah. just zombies. Yeah. Just do a big, you know. Thank you all for helping. Yeah, thank uh, you you, you know zombies. who you are. <laughs> they got their money. They got their 200 bucks for the day, you know. You know, maybe not quite. Maybe 100 bucks to walk around like a zombie and have cool makeup on. That's funny. I will say those zombies probably got paid more than any of the extras in this. <laughs> Even with inflation. The last thing I want to say about the book is that um, you might just find this interesting. There were some implications of um, 
kind of some incest going on between Mr. Yule and his daughter, Mayella. And that was brought up in the case, in the court case. That wasn't brought up in the film, but um, yeah, it's I, kind of a rough subject. Yeah, and I think that's a funny, I don't, it's not a stereotype, but like that's something, you know, us deep south folk <laughs> get accused of. Right, especially in I think Alabama. I think that's like I think that's the state that gets targeted the most. Because I think Mississippi is like known for, you know, the it's known a little bit more for the old country black men rock and roll and you know like Robert Johnson and stuff and like that kind of thing. And then Alabama over here. Yeah, your kissing cousin. A kissing cousin, and like known for it's like hyper extreme racism and stuff mm-hmm. and everything. Because you know, that's, I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of the crazy civil rights shit went down in yeah. Alabama. Yeah, Rosa Parks was yeah. in Alabama, I think, and yeah. then I think, uh, I think Emmett uh, Till. And I think that's where did um, Martin Luther King did a lot of his yep. stuff. Although he did die in Memphis, of course, but he's I, I think he's from Alabama too. So, but. But yeah, that would have been that would have been kind of funny to bring up. But I also feel like that's like you're tapping into. They already kind of did start to tap into caricature. He was from Mississippi. Emmett Till was from Mississippi. Emmett Emmett Till. Oh, they did kind of start to tap into caricatures with with um Yule and some of the other characters and mm-hmm. whatnot. So I know that's that's kind of a dangerous game, especially with something like this. You don't. That's kind of a cartoon thing. You don't quite want that for something that has something meaningful to say. So yeah. the incest thing would have been a maybe step too far, even if that really did happen for as far as far as characters go. Cause you can build a real character in a book a lot a lot more from a very specific point of view, right? So we can, you know, if that's like the rumor that's going around school, oh, Yule, Yule, Mister Yule and his daughter are hooking up and stuff. Mm-hmm. If that happens in school, that that makes sense, you know. And we could have maybe had that a little bit here, that, but that would have been kind of a a funny thing to negotiate with as far as filmmakers go, because that would have <laughs> it kind of it could it, we would have yeah. run the risk of making it silly. Yeah, I guess so. I guess, but. That was one reason why she was so scared of him too, though. Yeah, which you just—I guess—I no, guess my point is you kind of need to really pl- play that up in a that it's not funny way, you know, that you're not making fun of Alabama people. You know what I mean? And I think it's really easy to make. I feel like it's—I feel like it's really easy to make fun of Alabama people in that way, or at least deep um, south people in that way. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this film didn't do a great enough job to yeah to get away with something like that so if it would have brought that up that would have only hurt it more yeah to be honest it made it it would have made it weirder like what are you now what are you saying yeah yeah. it would have been because it would have been just like it would have been like boo hang him out behind the door it's just like and he's right there (laughs) he's behind the door it's like what the fuck why is he there i don't get Uh, it i don't get it yeah man that that girl what's her name yule's daughter mayella Miela and her, her little spiel, man. That was rough to watch. That was rough to watch. That, that deserves some YouTube stardom for some cringe compilation. That was bad. I, I, I it didn't stick out to you like that. No, it was all bad. It was all bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the ham costume was cute. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. I guess and she was, was running funny. with that. Yeah. That was cute. But but then the whole you know. Jim getting, well, both of them really getting beat up, and that that whole bit was weird too. That whole yeah. bit, that whole that whole thing was bad too. It was. I agree. Yeah, man. Well, I'd say thank you for watching this film with me, but you uh, you put me through this one. <laughs> How about I apologize? I'm sorry. Apology accepted. <laughs> uh, it's fine. No, I'm glad to cover it. I'm glad to talk about it. I'm glad to have finally seen it. You know, yeah. not that it was on my radar for very long. I've known about it. You know, this is one of those, especially the book, at least. You know Harper Lee. You know the name. You know the book title, To Kill a Mockingbird, if you've gone to any public school. Yeah. It's just a canonical read that I didn't read, but you just know about it. I'm not sure where that comes from. But it's a, it's a, 
is it an important piece of cinema literature history? Eh, sure, sure. But it's um so I'm happy to happy to finally get to that and talk about it with you. Thank you for talking about it with me. No problem. Yeah, I can't wait to the for the next one. For the next old film. I know what it is. Oh, you do know what it is. Yep. It's a it takes place in Europe during the Great War. The Great War. Yes. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you in South Korea. Thank you in Canada for listening to this podcast. You guys are keeping us afloat. Thank you. Thank if you. you guys have any, if you from Canada and South Korea, if you have any films specifically that you want us to watch and cover on here, please write in on Patreon at patreon.com slash filmesteins. That'd be awesome. Yep. That'd be awesome. We'll watch it. We'll cover it. You may or may not like it. Because <laughs> the next film is a fan-requested film. And so we'll be covering that soon. Until then, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for today's episode of The Film of Steins. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on our cinematic journey. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained some new insights and perspectives on the world of movies. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, especially your Patreon at patreon.com slash and follow us on social media for more film-related content. We love hearing from our listeners, so if you have any feedback, suggestions, movie recommendations, or book recommendations, please feel free to reach out to us. Until next time, keep watching and keep loving the magic of movies. This is the Film of Steins signing off.